When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast season two. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Now, I had only planned to take a six-week hiatus from the podcast in order to plan for the next season, but ended up being gone for three months. Unfortunately, I had a family tragedy I had to deal with and it took me some time to regroup. I apologize for that, but now we are back in business. And today's episode features quadruple threat Tiana Taylor and director A.V. Rockwell, Star and director of Focus Features film 1001, which won the Grand Jury Award at Sundance this year. On today's episode, I talk with these two native New Yorkers about the beginnings of gentrification in the city, because that's what the film tackles, and how they both pulled from their experiences growing up here to make this film come to life. And with that said, Let's get into the discussion. Thank you both uh, for joining me. Um, I have a podcast um, at Deadline called Scene to Scene where I talk to black and brown folks, queer folks and everything like that. And that's pretty much my focus. So... Today's episode, we're going to focus on the film and everything that went into it and surrounding it. And my uh, first question for for you, um, Av, is what is it about this period of history that made you want to sort of um, create this backdrop for Inez and Terry? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because life in New York, it happens so fast. And I feel like so much of what happens that dramatically impacts the lives of New Yorkers, where we don't really see it uh, or feel or feel like this have time that there's time to address it. Um, and, and so I think for me, as I was seeing gentrification start to take shape and the impact that it was having on the city, especially black communities. Uh, and how we being erased and pushed out altogether, it felt like. It felt like slowly but surely we were just like being pushed to leave the city. Um, I, I wanted to understand how we got here a lot better. Not only speak on it, but to just kind of be able to go back, uh, not only through my lived experience, but just like really just taking a deep dive into what was going on historically and also understanding what this moment in time meant for uh, for New York's history in general, because it is a city that's always changing. Like, even though I'm talking about the time period that I grew up around, um, every New Yorker has gone through that shift. So I was like, is this just another period of transition or is this unlike anything else that the city has experienced? And I think in many ways it is different and it's definitely different in terms of our communities. So um, so I wanted to use this story, this mother and, uh, mother and son story to also talk about not only how people how, how people relate to each other, but how they relate to to the city around them. Um, and, and I think that even within 
Um, just just seeing how the politics of a city, how the leadership of a city can impact its citizens in both indirect and very direct ways. Uh, and you see the family experience that over the course of the film. I wanted people to have a better understanding of how all of these things that uh, are happening around them, how it impacts their lives. And now this question is for, uh, I'll ask you first, Tiana. So you were around during that time. And did you ever get a chance to process what that trauma was like for both of you. Because I was speaking to my sister recently and I was like, you know, we were here and we went through this, but we never processed what that exactly. was like. Yeah, um, we never processed it. I was six, I was Terry's age, you know, when all of these things were uh, were happening. Early 2000s, as I got a little bit older and understood a little more, I still didn't like all the way process it. So really, um, Capturing Inez was almost like relearning history. You know what I'm saying? Like it was an eye opener for a lot of the things that I didn't get to process when I was younger because I was too young to understand. But now going back to that era um, as an adult, it was definitely like eye opening, you know, and I was I was able to really all the way process all the shit that had been happening mm -hmm. through all the years. I think that's why it was like, you know, such an impactful film for me and mm -hmm. some other folks that have seen it because it was like, wow, we never processed it and now here's this exactly. film that's sort of throwing back this history at us and mm -hmm. it's like well damn because you know new york city is this as a people keep it moving mm -hmm. you know exactly. we don't stop and sort of look at how how things change and how we are part of that mm -hmm. so you know in directing this film and 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 you know writing it in the process do you did you find it healing, catharsis, or anything like that? I think so, because, you know, and I think this journey started way before I even actually started the film. I remember when I was doing um, my shorts, Open City Mixtape, um, I think that was the beginning of me just going down this rabbit hole of just processing everything. Um, and and I, I remember, like, towards the tail end of making those shorts, just processing and observing the city change, just being on, like, the elevated trains and just watching change happen in front of me. I was like, uh, I feel like this isn't just an organic evolution. I feel like somebody's behind us, either a group of men or one mastermind in particular. Like I just had this gut instinct that like, as much, as little as I know as a young person of like how the city works, um, I was like, I was like, I feel like somebody had a bigger vision, you know, for what the city is and what it's becoming. And so I think that was just the beginning of me having some level of like an instinct, intuition that like there was something to that. And it wasn't just like, oh, okay, people just happen to be moving into certain neighbors and other people happen to be moving out or things just, you know, just that was just the, the culture of the city and the way it was changing in general. Like these things aren't just things that were organically building on themselves. So, um, so I think that started it way back then. And I think the movie by time, after started working on it, uh, it did give me um, a, a large deal of, of closure, you know, because I think part of and part of me wanting to tell the story of my coming of age era in New York was part of me saying farewell, you know. But I think I, I've said farewell to that time period and then some, and I'm saying it with so much more understanding and depth mm -hmm. uh, than I originally, you know, uh, ever considered. So I feel like I, I'm saying farewell, but I think I feel more grounded in my perspective on why things are the way they are and how I feel about New York City because of it. And how did the two of you link up for the project? Mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, I didn't forget, but I think a lot of people forget that you act as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people like, well, Taylor's in a drama. What's, you know, what's going on? Yeah. You know, but I was like, well, she can act, so I don't, 
you know, I don't know what the problem is. No, so I, I just think it's be. I think that also is like where it becomes a problem as well. Like, um, we're just having so much going on. Like, just even between my family brand and everything that's like happening, you, you kind of like get lost and like you know, because we're like the relatable family. We funny. We play all day. And then on the flip side of it, I'm like a sex symbol, and you know what I'm saying. So it's like, when do people really have the time to really like? see me like stripped down and just like uh, raw. And I feel like with a lot of the roles that I got, like, you know, I've been in a lot of stuff, but it's never really been dramas or anything that really show people what I got. So then if you always see me at my best in something, like seeing me as Tiana Taylor and there's right. just really no difference because it's either a movie of me dancing or a movie of me being hot or a movie of me being sexy. It's just like, it's that's is there's no... um there is no real push in any of those things. There's no, it's, it's nothing really hard about it, you know? So mm -hmm. to see me the complete opposite of the idea of Tiana Taylor, I think um, it was an amazing opportunity, you know? And this movie was the amazing opportunity to really like get my rocks off and show the world like what I could do. And as far as like the, the production design and you working with Sharon Lamofsky, mm -hmm. um, you know, how did you create those slight differences? Because things are different mm -hmm. um, and they look different. Mm -hmm. But sort of going back um, in a, you know, in a period where things were progressing quickly, how did you guys put together what that would look like? Yeah, well, you know, I think that as as I was writing the movie, I'm still living in New York at the time. And, and so I'm just walking down the streets of, of Harlem. I'm walking down the streets of New York City and I'm just so observant and I'm soaking all, soaking all of it in. So I think by the time we actually got into production, I already had a, a, a strong sense of not only what happened to the city historically, but just observing what it is now, how I could showcase that change. So I had a lot of conversations <coughs> with Sharon Lamofsky, our production designer. Also, I, you know, I had conversations with Eric, my DP, how he how he would showcase it. You know, like all how all of these things would play onto each other. Um, and I think one of the biggest things for me is that I recognize that something that other people were recognizing too is that. New York is vanishing, New York as we've known it, because even though it is a city that's constantly evolving, there's always been a continuity in the experience of it. And, and there's a those, culture there. Yeah, there's, mm -hmm. a, there's always been a culture, and that culture is what's dramatically shifting right now. And so it, it, it did go from a city that, when you look at the architecture, there was this great iconic architecture that you've seen in cinema for the past you know century that now is shifting away from that and it's being knocked down more than ever and so and, and to, for new designs that yeah it, it, it represents the mo the modern times that we're in but it also design that doesn't really support the way a city needs to function and so that when you think about a neighborhood like Harlem specifically that it's about the community people are outside um, <laughs> You know, people are outside living amongst each other, like politicking, having fun. But new buildings are designed in a way that you can't even look outside your window. You can't even tell somebody the bus isn't running. You know, um, they have all these game rooms and theater rooms and this and that. And it's like you have no reason to even want to live your building in a way that they're being constructed. Con constructed. So it's like I don't even need to be around. And like, why do I need to live in a neighborhood like this altogether? You know, mm. y'all don't even want me to go outside. This is New York City. Are you kidding me? You know, so I think just being able to observe architecturally how it's changing, how it is going from a mom and pop city where everybody can come and have their slice of the American dream, the way Lennox Lounge was, the way so many other staples of Harlem was, uh, Melba's and so forth. Mm -hmm. Imagine that if that continues to change 
for to make room for Wells Fargo, for for Old Navy, for all these, for Whole Foods, for all these things that you can get anywhere else. Um, but that is the way New York is starting to change altogether. So I think working with Sharon and, and Eric to really capture that um, and then using what still does exist to build on top of that, you know, so taking that old architecture and yeah, it might be a new storefront, but let's slap that old thing, that old thing back on it. Um, you know, just like being very smart about what you see and when, um, as well as the palette as well. Uh, over the course of the movie, I think the palette of the movie represents the emotional arc of the characters, mm -hmm. but it also uh, represents what's happening with the city. Everything that's happening with the city is running in parallel to what Terry and Inez are experiencing. And it went from this being this very vibrant city that even if it was rough and tough on the surface, it was very accessible. Um, and, and that came through in the tone and the energy of the world and how you experience it. But as a, over the course of the movie, you do experience that personality change and which slowly but surely is getting quieter. It's getting more gray and more still and more mm. glass and just being drained of that personality that it used to have. Um, so I think all the work that we did together was really a part of it. I think the last thing I'll say is that I really do appreciate the art team and how they also mm -hmm. made sure that the interiors uh, also felt very specific and true and honoring mm. like the homes and the way people live their lives, you know, how Inez and Terry would have built their lives. Um, but I, I wanted to feel like, no, if Inez was an auntie or my friend's mama or something like, like, I felt like, yes, this is how people kept their home during that time period. And Miss Annie's home, we built that from scratch, but that looked like a home that somebody had been in for at least 30 years, yeah. you know? So I think being that they were largely were not people that looked like these characters, a predominantly white team, um, I think that Sharon and her team that she had under, I did appreciate the fact that they still do, did all the legwork, um, including bringing people that were from the culture too into the department to make sure that like uh, they really honor the, the, this culture um, the way I wanted them to. You know? And when you got the script and you're reading and getting to know Inez, um, what was the, emo the emotional journey like sort of getting into the head of this character? and then getting in front of the camera? Um, I think the, the emotional journey was it was a, a one hell of a journey, one hell of a ride. Um, I connected with Inez in so many different ways so soon. Like, I was like eager to get on set. Um, Inez was a real outlet for me, you know? It was a very therapeutic role for me. Um, I was able to uh, cry out loud for once. I was able to have a moment of weakness and turn off my strength for a little bit from just being super mom and, you know what I'm saying, super wife and just, you know, uh, super Tiana Taylor for my supporters. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of turn everything off and just cry. You know what I'm saying? Let out any emotion or anything that I had been feeling because, you know, I'm a super um, to myself, you know, my, my business, I'm all about my family. So it's just like, you know, whatever private battles I was fighting with my postpartum depression or, you know, with grieving from uh, losing lost ones, I mean, loved ones and different things like that, I was able to, like, kind of just channel all of that emotion and, like, pour all of that emotion into Inez, pour all of the tears and the, the, the pain and the, the trauma into Inez, almost like, you know, the whole 32 years of my life. Um, and different things that I kept to myself, maybe resented or whatever, just able to put it all inside Inez. So I was able to be um, weak and it was, it was, it was beauty in that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and it was for the best, you know, and then to have to turn Inez off and go home and be super mom, mm -hmm. put my cape back on and do what I do for my kids, my life and my world. 
Um, you know, it was it was definitely emotional but beautiful, and it was like a slew of different emotions. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like the timing was just amazing, and I feel like it was really like a, a God sent project for the mm -hmm. both of us because you know this is something that um, is near and dear to Av's heart. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like for her to find someone that she can trust with this in this point, you know, she's the quarterback and I'm the wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And it's about her trusting that she can throw this ball to me and then I'm going to take it to the touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We take this thing to the Super Bowl. And I think that that's what this is about. And it was about, you know, being a trusting team and, and, and being teammates and really like, you know, winning this game together. Because I think we both had a point to prove, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, this is my real debut as an actress. It's her first you know, feature film as a director. And we both black women, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And, and Inez is within the both of us. Inez is within you, right. other women around us. Like we could all relate to Inez in so many different ways. Inez is my mom, mm -hmm. Inez is my aunt, Inez is my grandmother, you know what I'm saying? So for that's what I mean, and, uh, so many, a slew of emotions, you know what I'm saying? All the tears that I cried from younger, not understanding why my mom had to work so much or not understanding why she made the decisions that she made. So even just, having to put myself in my mom's shoes through Inez was a lot, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So maybe the things as kids that we resented, like, you know, like, why is she always working? Why is she did it? Mm -hmm. Like all those things that we carried with us and maybe even making them feel a little bit guilty. Um, it was just, it made you give a, a whole different appreciation. You know what I'm saying? My, my mom made the sacrifices she made to make sure I had a better life, you know, to make sure that for me to have a better life, to give my kids an even better life, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Inez was definitely emotional, but like beautiful outlet to me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm going to ask you to a question because uh, it applies to both of you. What do you think you've learned from the character of Inez that you will carry with you, like permanently? Um... Shit, I think I kind of answered that. You did. Question. I was going to say you did. You yeah, did. yeah. Was, you talked about that vulnerability. Yeah, that, the that, vulnerability yeah. and like being able, yeah, to have an outlet, but also to know that like you're not bugging. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of things that I felt like, is it just me? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Am I tripping? It is, it's just no way. You know what I'm saying? Then you meet Inez and it's like, wow, this is every other woman. This mm -hmm. is my mom. This mm -hmm. is my aunt. This is my, this is my friends. These are other women. This is a black woman in general. How unprotected we are, how unheard we are, you know, how unseen uh, we are, you know what I'm saying? And it's a lot, you know, how we show up for everybody, nobody show up for us. And that's what I mean. We show up strength wise. Mm -hmm. There's never any room for us to be weak because it's mm -hmm. a damn if you do, damn if you don't. You're too strong, you're a problem. You're too weak, you're a problem. You feel what I'm saying? So we're taught, we're conditioned to be strong, you know, and, and a lot of the times it's not by choice. Mm -hmm. It's strong black women and then we, we uh, romanticize it so much that 
when it's time to have a moment of weakness, you got to be in the shower. You got to be in a, a, you know, a sacred place and like crying and wipe your tears and put your big girl smile back on and go out to the world and, and, and fight these wars and fight these battles. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, playing on this was an outlet mm. to be able to cry in front of a whole set, a whole village of people. And they look at it as strength. They mm -hmm. look at it as, wow, that wasn't a fucking amazing scene. But if it was something that was happening in the world of just my real life, it's she's bugging, she's crazy, mm -hmm. she's this for being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But like then you, exactly. Yeah. But then you give it on set and it's 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 art and it's beautiful. So it's like bittersweet in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? What about you? Um, yeah, I think that what work creating the character of Inez, I think what she helped me to do in addition to everything that we've discussed already is also kind of stand up for myself as mm -hmm. a black woman and on behalf of all of us and saying that, uh, I mean, A, we need to prioritize not only um, showing up, uh, I mean, not, not only like letting people know like this is what our experience of the world is, but I think when it comes to love and how it's expressed in the movie is prioritizing how well we love ourselves because I think by having that foundation, it puts us in a better position to tolerate so much less, you know, tolerate so much of what we shouldn't be in the, in the first place. And I think that like, even in uh, Inez's journey and the ways that like she learns about herself over the course of the movie, she's giving, she's giving, she's giving, but she's the one person that she forgets to give to. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that like, by learning that uh, and, and writing her um, or exploring that and writing her, it just kind of put a lens on that, how important that is. And I think that for, for black women, there's so much that will not change unless we prioritize ourselves because the more we love ourselves, the less we're going to be accepting of the way people try to mistreat us. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it's just, it needs, that needs to be more at the forefront of the conversations that we're having within our sisterhood. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I wanted to shift focus a little bit and talk a little about some technical stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering what were your cinematic, like, um, inspirations for shooting did you have any or did you want to sort of create something new a bit of both yeah I think I think it was a bit of both um I think honestly what I looked at the most as I was working with my team was a lot of photography it was definitely looking at how New York evolved over time and and especially trying to create a story that represented New York in a truthful a truthful way um I think a lot of that a lot of photography and and, and documentary as well just to make sure that whether it was through what you're seeing or even how the characters are represented, um, you know, for costumes, you know, and, uh, as well, like uh, that it all had a certain level of truthfulness. Um, and I think it's, it's fascinating because this is this movie and it's so many things. Right. But it also is about New York at, at, at the turn of the century. You know, it's a, it's a historical document in that way. And to me, my lived in experience, I, I knew that I wanted the story to start out gritty, mm -hmm. a little bit less stable, a little bit more raw and open, and then stabilize as the city stabilized mm -hmm. and as the life of the characters started to stabilize. Um, but also the city gets cleaner, right? It gets mm -hmm. more polished and you see that represented in the film cinemato cinematography as well. But even when you look at like documentation of New York, being that that was a big representation, uh, a big uh, reference point for us. Um, you go from very gritty, grainy, filmic photography that uh, most of the iconic images of New York, 70s, mm. 80s, any period, you see that. But right at the 90s, first of all, street photography kind of drops off a lot, you know, towards the mid to late 90s and into the early 2000s. But also it goes digital. 
It got like there's just the look mm-hmm. and how New York is documented. It gets way more clean, way more polished, um, and it loses a lot of that soulful character uh, in in the city's you know the city's record visual mm-hmm. record. Just in the same way that it happened in real life, and that was really fascinating. And I feel like just being able to cement that idea and make sure that we illustrated it in the um, in the look of the movie as well is something that I kept in mind. And how Tiana did you build a rapport? You built a rapport with three different actors mm-hmm. um that played terry and i want to make sure i get the names uh correct josiah cross mm-hmm. aiden courtney mm-hmm. and aaron kingsley mm-hmm. and you had to build a different type of what was that experience like you know people at different ages and building different types of of relationships and connections with them on an acting level Honestly, it was such a small cast. Like, we were all really like family. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, it was easy for everybody to bond. I think the story and the script was very special to everybody. So I think going into it, we went into it, our characters. You know what I'm saying? And me just, you know, being a mom of two, I naturally just took in all my kids. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm always in mommy mode anyway. So it was just, it was easy to get into that. And like I said, this is a role I've been waiting for. And, you know, I've been 14-year-old Terry before. I've been 17-year-old Terry before. I've been 6-year-old Terry before. So I had the innocence. Also had little moments where I talked back a little bit, got popped in my mouth for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I understood every, every, every age, and I was able to tap in and out of how I handle them. And like I said, I think we were all a family. Like, it was like an instant family, so it was easy to tap in. I think that me and me and Mike, I mean, sorry, me and Will, we knew each other's um, triggers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think everybody grabbed from such emotional spaces and different triggers and just real life. Whether we went through it or we seen our parents go through it, we seen our loved ones go through it. We've all seen that. I mean, we literally now with social media, we see how people say. This is how black people sleep. They leave one foot out, so the rest of the body. You know what I'm saying? Like we know black culture, so we know that I was like, "Well, I'm busting my ass to make sure you, you know what I'm saying." So we we've all been there before. We've all seen it before. We've all heard it before. So it's really easy to kind of like tap in. And who are some of your um like directorial sort of uh, inspirations or directors that you are fans of or? Mm-hmm styles that you're a fan of in terms of uh filming yeah you know i think uh there's like some of the the classic you know icons that i always talk about because i think i loved them then as i was growing up before i even knew that i would become a filmmaker myself Mm -hmm. and i still love them now so that'd be like spike lee and and martin scorsese as well because i think that they're both just really excellent filmmakers and in a way that balanced both the level of art and entertainment that you felt in, in their body of work. And they also had like- And the rent. way that they capture New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, they, and they both had very different experiences from New York than I did, but mm-hmm. you know, you felt how truthful those depictions were um, and, and you felt how strong they, you felt their personality through their work and I really loved that too. So I think that before I even had any knowledge of filmmaking, I, I had those levels of appreciation with them. Um, and then I think as I as I've grown just on my journey as a filmmaker, obviously it's expanded so much and I have new fans. I mean not new fans, but like new people that I'm a fan of. Um, so like I love Lena Wertmiller's work, um, like Seven Beauties is such a stunning mm-hmm. film and I love how she balances both humor and tragedy. 
Um, I think she just, uh, you know, the way she captures life in period, period mm. um, as well as how she tells her story. You know, I think her stories were, were really stunning. Um, I also love Usain Palsy. I, I think that her as a black woman filmmaker, she represented what a, the struggle that a lot of women went through, especially mm. during that era. It's still happening now, but definitely back then in the 80s and, and the 90s, like just basically any black woman that was making a film. She's like, really one of the first to do yeah, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, first to do it, first to get recognized for mm. it in, in a major way. Um, but then you, they would disappear again. It's like it's like it was so impossible for us to have a sustainable career for so long, um, and, which was really frustrating to, to see, but really informative for me because it's like if so many of the examples I do have of people that did have like a really excellent, long-lasting body of work, you know, just like having that longevity. They were only men. As me coming in, I have to make sure that I have a clear sense of pushing past those boundaries. But uh, but I saw myself in her her work, um, particularly Sugar Cane Alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially as like, you know, I'm Caribbean-American and and I think I, I related to that. Not only somebody who was underprivileged and, you know, had somebody that was really fighting for me to succeed, but also as, you know, just being Caribbean since that was set set out there, obviously I related to as well. So I, I, and I thought it was just a very special story um so i think just both as a as a maker of story and as somebody who watches and appreciates great storytelling i loved her work and do you plan on directing at some point writing directing at all do you plan on trying to get into it i know you do a lot right now so i'm not trying to put the pressure on you (laughs) but i'm wondering you know do you have plans to try to get into it in the future well she's been directing already yeah i'm a music video director so um Mm -hmm. yeah i've literally directed for everybody i have my own uh, all-female production company called the aunties productions but i think that um you know as a director trying to get into um you know the television and film space i definitely want to say that av is one of my biggest inspirations you know what i'm saying to see um a director, you know, especially a black, like a black female director, work on her first feature film and just how she went about it. Like I was, I'm always a student. I'm always willing to be a student. You know what I'm saying? Because videos and movies is two different worlds. But all my video work has always been narrative based. So I always wanted to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And like, just not only was this script meant for me to be a part of, but I think it was just meant for both uh, A.V. and I to just be in each other's world in life because, you know, I probably wouldn't have known what type of steps to take, right. you know what I'm saying, to even understand it and, you know, just how she deal with the pressure, how she handled it, how she handled the set. Uh, it was very impressive, you know what I'm saying? And, and I commend her and I feel like I've learned so much from her and it just really made me even more ready Um I actually just got greenlit to direct my first feature film. Got picked up by Paramount, so I'm very excited about that. Um, but I, I don't feel like I would have this much confidence if I didn't, you know, watch AV. You know what I'm saying? Navigate this thing called life, film and set as a first time feature director, feature film director. So. Now, is that like? Exclusive information you're telling me? Or you don't. That know is like- exclusive information, and it kind of just <laughs> slipped out. And yeah. But see, like when you, you know, when you get comfortable, when you start doing. So I appreciate you um, um, saying. I, I only have two more questions. Um, what is one thing you miss about old New York? Our whole childhood. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's been erased completely. The colors, the grid. Um, I don't know. You just like she said, they went from very mom and pop. It was like one big neighborhood. I'm so family oriented. Mm-hmm. I think it may be a New York thing. Mm-hmm. Because you can go on a whole block and see 
all your cousins, your loved ones, friends and family. Like she said, now everybody's kind of like inside. There's a lot more gray, a lot more glass, a lot more see-through. A lot more disconnection. A lot more disconnection. You know, because you don't see like, you know, I used to come outside, people freestyling on the steps and graffiti and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. New York is not as accessible anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not accessible to the things that made us us. Mm-hmm. The things that gave us that flavor, mm-hmm. the things that made New York, New York, we made Harlem, Harlem, we made Queens, Queens, we made Brooklyn, Brooklyn. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just everything is about the change, and the change is not really for the better. The change is the change, and we get us out. Yeah. Um, yeah, gentrification is, is 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 quiet, you know, and and it's and it's boring, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So I very, think, <laughs> you know, I think uh, right now modern New York is a playground for the privileged, but not for mm-hmm. anyone else. And so I think that uh, the city is way less accessible, but I think it's also way less fun. It has way less personality. Mm-hmm. I think. When I was a kid, what I loved was that I never knew what kind of adventure was waiting for me when I left the house. There was always something going on. You just step out and there's some kind of drama and you know, and I think that I just missed the characters. I missed the flavor. I missed the adventure and the spiciness of the city. And I just missed how fun it was. Um, but yeah, now I think that like it's 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 so much less that, you know. I think it's either like just in my modern experience of it, it's either it's dangerous or it's expensive. <laughs> like you know, you know, there are no block parties. Parties, yeah. yeah, no street carnivals. Yeah, you know, no um, where fire hydrants. It's like all of that is becoming less and less, you know, uh, closer to being extinct. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, when we think of a lot of like what does go viral and all those type of things, I'm like, that was just like every day walking down the street in New York, just these crazy moments that you could run back and tell somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the city is it's kind of flatlined culturally. Because um, culture is not only what exists in museums and what exists on Broadway and what exists in the the game room of your very fancy apartment building. You know, that's yeah. not what makes a city a city. <laughs> you know, that's not what makes a city a city, you know. Um, and, and I mean, just to that point, actually. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the title, one of the books that I read when I was writing the movie, um, at the death and life of great American cities, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that book, it, it breaks down all, so much of this, like what really makes a city a city and what are the things that pull cities apart? Um, and I think right now, because New, New York is falling apart culturally, there's less of a reason to be here, you know? So I think like the, this, this city in particular, maybe, you know, it's, it's more than just this American city, but, uh, it's certainly losing what draw people to it, what drew people to it in the first place. So I don't really know what the purpose of is going to be of New York City for New York City moving forward, like what it's going to mean to people, because it definitely doesn't mean what it's meant historically. Right, because when a lot of people meet me, they're kind of surprised. They're like, oh, you you grew up here and you were born here and you still live here? I'm like, I know, shocker, right? Because all my homies are gone, everybody's gone, they've joined the military or they just moved out of state, they moved to the DMV, they moved to Atlanta or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people just don't see a future here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, one, the future is too expensive and two, there's just not a lot to do. Yeah. Um, I also, I guess one of the things I hate is that the, the resources are so limited. I just remember growing up and even like, People that were on drugs in our community, everybody was taking care of everybody. Mm-hmm. And now there's there's no resources for them. There's nothing. It's like misery, a lot of misery and hopelessness. I, I don't know, man. It's yeah. just, it's really kind of ugly to, to see yeah. what things have turned into. Um, you know what? Yeah, I answered everything. So thank uh-huh. you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to other folks seeing this and, and having these kinds of conversations. And I think that's one of the important things that a thousand and one does is opens up a, a conversation about 
black women and vulnerability and, and what's happened to the city and the people that were affected by that. So thank you. Thank you both. No I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.